Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. At USA Football, we are hyper-focused on what we can do to advance, grow, and unite the game. We have collaborated with stakeholders at every level of the game to launch our new football development model. The football development model is built on six pillars. One, whole person and multi-sport development. Two, physical literacy and skill development. Three, coaching education and training. Four, multiple pathways and entry points. Five, making the game fun and fulfilling. And six, which is of huge importance to our high school football coaches listening to this is participation and retention. I've been there before as the head high school coach leading the entire effort of building a program in a community and having the football development model will make that effort easier. The FDM does the heavy lift by providing all the tools needed to run a successful K-12 football program. Today's episode is a crossover episode recorded for our new weekly Football for All podcast designed to educate and engage your youth commissioners youth parents, and youth coaches on the football development model and how it works. We encourage you, the high school football coach, to be an ambassador for the game. The first six episodes explain how the FDM works. Please listen to those episodes and, more importantly, pass the Football for All podcast along to your own youth football community. Today's episode should resonate with you on how we can continue to make our sport great as we reimagine the youth football landscape. Today's guest is a former All-American at Mount Union and the head coach at Avon High School in Ohio, Mike Elder. Over the last decade, his varsity program is 114 and 15, and much of that is attributed to the work they have put into building their youth football program. To learn more about the football development model, go to fdm.usafootball.com. Enjoy the podcast. You take youth football, but then you fast forward 20 years. What that guy's going to remember 20 years after youth football are moments. We want kids who love football to have the opportunity to play football. There's opportunities no matter your gender, no matter your race, no matter your background. There's no specific box. Looking at, you know, whether it's playing flight football or modified version of the game, I think it's so smart. We're shaping the whole person. We want to make sure that you're a successful person on and off the field. Positive football experiences so they keep playing and keep getting better this is football for all on today's football for all podcast we focus on the importance of the high school coach and what he can do to support the football development model in his community 
And joining me today is someone who's done that very well, and I've been able to see firsthand the things he's been able to do with his program and build it K-12, through the head football coach at Avon High School in Ohio, Mike Elder. Mike, it's great to talk ball with you here on the Football for All podcast. Hey, thanks a lot, Keith. Appreciate you having me on. So we've shared this story a little bit on the Coaching Coordinator podcast, but you know, I want you to, to tell us about this experience here. You came to Avon, I believe around 2006 or 2007, and at the time, a very small school, a, a lot of things to build. The community has seen growth. But in our area in Northeast Ohio, you guys have one of the strongest programs, K through 12, uh, not just with numbers, but with how you develop the kids too. So if you would give us, I guess, a, an overview of what football is like in Avon, Ohio. Well, there, there's a lot of things that, you know, we're proud of here in Avon. And one of them is, is that we have a lot of kids in our community, kindergarten through 12th grade, who identify as football players. And me being the head coach, I'm certainly the visionary behind a lot of it, but there's so many outstanding people who have helped us get to the point we are, uh, starting with our Avon Youth Football Association, which I started 13 years ago. But our board of directors right now is five men, Davidson, Douglas, Lindsey, Jensen, and Mitchell, who all of these guys don't have kids in the youth program. They just love football. They're guys that have strong opinions about how things should be done, uh, but they've had a willingness to include me in every step of the process. And again, I started the program 13 years ago, and uh, I've been able to be an integral part of it, which is what I found over the last several months or several years, I should say, not to be the case everywhere. So the first thing we always talked about is for us, the most important element to what we do is getting as many kids to call themselves a football player as possible. And so if you're going to do that, playing time, in my opinion, has to always and forever trump winning. And that's easier said than done, because when you start talking about youth football, whether it's the flag level, the padded flag level, seven-on-seven tackle level, or 11-on-11 tackle level, which we do all of in Avon, it's really hard sometimes to let egos, you know, to put egos in the back burner and make sure all these kids are just having a good experience and they want to come back the next year. So we've always emphasized that, and I think our people have bought into it. I did run into some struggles early on where people cared more about winning than they did the kids having a great experience and getting playing time. But over time, our success at the varsity level has allowed me to have the credibility to continue to have those meaningful conversations where people buy in. Over the last decade in Avon, we've, we've gone 114 and 15 and had an 88% winning percentage at the varsity level. But to me, all of that is attributed to the K-6 development we have in Avon. But Kindergarten, first and second grade in Avon are flag football. We just play flag football, no pads, no helmets, no nothing. Uh, that's what we do. And then in third and fourth grade in Avon, we put on full pads, but we still pull flags. So we've taken USA rookie tackle rules, and um, we've just modified them and put flags on. Uh, and we've everything else is the same, except we don't take each other to the ground. And that's what our third and fourth graders do in our community. And then fifth grade is the first tackle experience in Avon where we're using seven on seven USA rookie tackle. Uh, and then in sixth grade, they play 11 on 11 uh, rules on a regular size field finally. So that's your first experience of that. And then obviously you get to your middle school where we have a seventh grade team, an eighth grade team, freshman, and then your JV and varsity programs. But things have gone so well for us that when you get to middle school, our seventh grade team next year, and we're not even the biggest school division in Ohio, uh, we have two teams um, 
for seventh grade football, two teams of 30. And uh, in, in eighth grade, we play actually, we have one team, but there's enough kids there where we're going to play every other week. We play two games. Uh, again, maximizing participation, knowing that we might lose a few games along the way, but kids care more about playing time and parents care more about playing time than they do winning and losing at that level. I, I know that to be a fact. So, um, you know, we're proud of that. I, I think everyone in our communities bought into it. it. We had some rough patches along the way to get there. Uh, but I know that a lot of times people talk about when is the appropriate age for kids to start tackling to the ground. And uh, quite honestly, for us in Avon, that's not until fifth grade now. Uh, and, and we're not going the other direction with that ever. If anything, we're going to move it uh, further towards sixth or seventh grade uh, because I believe strongly that you can still teach the skills of the game without taking each other to the ground. Skill development is, is one of the pillars of the football development model. And I agree with you in that there's different ways to do this. I, I mean, you and I, Mike, probably grew up in a time where we didn't have flag football. You, you played out at recess or you, you went up to the local park or you played in the, in the street or in somebody's front yard. And then somewhere around fourth grade, 11 on 11 tackle football started. There was nothing in between. There was no progression. And, you know, it, it was a mentality at the time, you know, kind of like who were the toughest kids and who could survive this? Cause it wasn't like, it was not good coaching. Right. And, and I remember early on, um, probably if I didn't have a dad who was a football coach, I'm not sure if I would have stuck with football because it, it wasn't a fun experience. Um, but when you look at what you guys are doing in this progression of non-contact limited contact with padded flag, then progressing to full contact with different, you know, small side of game to 11 man football. Now you have a chance to develop skills in a progression, right? So if we think about flag football, as an example, we're going to work on getting ourselves in the right position, which essentially looks at as, as about the same as if you were about to strike and drive through a player to take him to the ground you have to get in that position to pull a flag. And it's good. I mean, we want players to learn to play on their feet, to not launch their bodies, to not do things that are risky behaviors on the field. And I think with your progression and going from non-contact with flag, moving to a limited contact, you're still promoting that idea of we can play on our feet and learn to be athletic. Yeah, there's there's no question. I agree with that 100%. You know, 13 years ago when I got to Avon, I mentioned we started the Youth Football League. And by the way, I'm the guy who brought third grade tackle football to Avon. And what I was doing at the time was quite honestly what's different, Keith, than when you and I played is there's so many more options out there. I mean, youth sports are a billion-dollar industry, and every sport is finding a way to try to get kids to specialize and do it year-round. So I knew we had to offer something in Avon because if kids weren't identifying as football players, in third grade and fourth grade, then they might identify year round as an athlete of a different sport. So I just over time have realized that I don't care what that looks like. I just want them to call themselves a football player. And the truth is, is that in third and fourth grade, there's that three or four kids who are developmentally more ready than other kids. And they're generally the coach's son. <laughs> and I, what I noticed when I coached at that level, tackle football, is that the four best players on the team were we're in the middle of all the action and everyone else was kind of just standing around and watching. And I didn't see where that was healthy at all. And, you know, if you look at an NFL team, a college team or a high school team practice now, very seldom are you in live situations where you're taking people to the ground yet in third and fourth grade, 
that these kids didn't understand any other concept. So they're, they're, they're taking each other to the ground. But again, it was the top four or five players always in the middle of the contact and everyone else stood around watching it happen. And it just wasn't healthy. So people who have been critics of third and fourth grade and us killing that tackle football program in our community, what I've told them is they're playing the games the way we are trying to teach our varsity kids to practice it, which is to stay on your feet. There's still contact. You can still teach block destruction, but you're right, Keith, you don't want people with bad form where they're lunging or diving to make tackles. It makes you stay on your feet. It makes you, you know, same leg, same shoulder and, and make the appropriate leverage tackle that you want to make when you actually take people to the ground. So it prevents them from forming bad habits early, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. It's it's one of those things, too, when you, you look at that idea of the things you have to do to pull a flag, as well as on the other side, to not have that flag pulled. I mean, you're still doing a lot of the things that have to happen in tackle football. What's interesting is at our national conference this year, we had uh, Rich Scangrello there, who's with the Philadelphia Eagles now, the offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos last year, talking about how they are going to in OTAs, maybe even in mini camps, pull flags because the you know the tag that we've gotten used to, tag the near hip or whatever it might be, guys have kind of lost their form in that. Guys have kind of shut it down in trying to evade tackles. That it's not developing the skills with tag that they're going back to flag and using flags in practice to get more out of of what they want from their players. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good strategy. I know our defensive coaches at the varsity level talk about that all the time. And, you know, I have a son who's a currently a sixth grader, and I also have a son who's a sophomore. And my sixth grade son, I got to coach him in the padded flag. I got to coach him in the rookie tackle seven on seven and 11 on 11. And to be honest, Keith, we did that this year. The kids looked at me like I was crazy. But in our 11 on 11 practices this season, we put flags on the kids because we wanted to emphasize to them that we weren't taking each other to the ground, that we wanted them to be in good position. Uh, we wanted them to have good form and technique. And most of our practices were done that way. Otherwise, it's really hard to communicate to a kid in fifth and sixth grade of what it means to stay on your feet in practice. Heck, we have trouble doing that, you know, at Avon's high school practices. And I know I've been to Ohio State's practices where I've seen coaches get upset because, hey, we're staying on our feet. We're not taking people to the ground. You're trying to convince them. And then I went to some Cleveland Browns practices and saw the same thing happening where their head coach is upset because they're not taking care of each other and keeping them on their feet uh, and practicing the right way. So the flags are a great idea and specifically with young kids. I know you've shared with me before that you've seen better transition from flag football into tackle football where those who don't have the limited contact don't see that conversion of, of those kids moving on to tackle football. There's a lot of maybe anxiety in some of the parents and should I let my kid go to tackle football? And again, this is something that it's in between. It continues to teach those skills. It introduces contact in the forms of blocking and block destruction, but it still is that game that they remain on their feet. And in a lot of ways you think about it, it maybe even safer than flag because now they have equipment on. I'm a hundred percent in agreement with that statement. And honestly, you know, we talked about I, in college, I was a, a marketing major and I said, okay, if we're going to market football in our community, who's our audience. And the number one audience to us when we market football isn't even to the kids. It's to the parents first and foremost. Like we talk about how are we going to market football 
to the parents in the Avon community. And then it's the players, it's the students. But if they're not allowed to play and their parents are telling them, no, it doesn't really matter what we market to them. You know, so to me, parents are number one, students are second. And then we talk about, you know, our teaching staff and, and those people being on board too. But one thing that worked for us in Avon is when you start talking to parents, you're not going to find many people that are reluctant to let their kid play flag football. That's never been an issue or a problem. They, they see it as safe. As kids get older now, all we've done is thrown on helmets and shoulder pads, like you said. We're still playing flag football, but fully padded. And the, the game just got safer. And, and we market it that way because I believe that's true. When you get fourth graders running around without helmets, there's sometimes some inadvertent contact in flag football where you're banging heads or a kid gets tripped up and hits his head on the ground. Like to me, it's safer. And I think our people know that and they bought in. And now it's not until fifth grade in Avon where a parent has to make a decision of whether or not they're going to let their kid play tackle football. And by that time, the kids are kind of hooked and they love it. Parents have bought into the football lifestyle. And, you know, when you finally start taking each other to the ground, it's in a controlled environment of seven on seven. And the kids already have some skills where they, they know what to do and how to do it. And we're able to move some kids. You know, if you're a fifth grader who's developmentally ready, we'll move you up to 11 on 11 in our community, which also protects some of those fifth graders who maybe aren't as developmentally ready from some of the kids who are really excelled at their skill. Because the last thing you want is for kids to have a bad experience. Like you said, Keith, uh, if your dad wasn't a football coach, you might have stopped playing the way it was done in our day. I think what we're doing is creating a pattern in the way we practice and what we expect our kids to do with contact that just keeps them coming back. And if you keep them coming back, eventually, you know, by the time they get to a high school level, everybody's kind of developed to the, to the point where you know who they are as an athlete. But man, sometimes the kid in sixth grade is the best player. And then by the time he's a junior, he looks the exact same as he did in sixth grade. But when he was in sixth grade, you know what he did? He chased away half your team because he just beat on everybody down there. So you got to be really careful about those things. Yeah, I think the key to this is that with a progression like this, along with the the leadership and, you know, you talked about, you know, when is winning important for you at the varsity level. This is fun and fulfilling for the kids. And that helps overall the participation and, and the retention, right? You guys have very strong numbers at the varsity level as well. And, and that's not necessarily true. And, you know, our, my son plays in the exact same conference. That not, that's not true across our conference. So I think it's just a testament to you're doing this in a way that really works to develop that whole person, that whole athlete, and make it fun and fulfilling so that these guys are around and are able to experience all the lessons that are taught to them in the game as, as they grow through it in high school. Yeah, you know, there's so many there's so many elements to this and, and getting it to where it needs to be. And we're certainly not perfect and we're always looking for ways to grow and get better. But, you know, one thing that I talk about all the time that if there's something I would suggest to every other high school football coach out there to help with their youth program, you know, everybody does fundraising for their program. And for us, we generate twenty to twenty five thousand dollars a year based on five camps we do for our kids. You know, we do a winter skills camp. K through six in March. And when I have that meeting, the first day when kids are getting dropped off, because it's, it's broken down into kindergarten and first graders in one group, and then your second and third graders in four, five, six. So it's three different hour and a half camps where my coaches split up working it with my players. But when those parents come in, 
while the kids are warming up, I take them into the cafeteria and I talk about our K through 12 vision and what football looks like in Avon. And I'm passionate about it. And I tell them why we're doing it because I call it the gremlin effect. You, you know, us people that grew up in the eighties understand that when you get a gremlin wet, it multiplies. So if I continue to talk about this to parents, they're going to talk to more parents. They're going to talk to more parents. And then you have something special. But in March, I've got this captive audience because we're doing winter skills camp in a gym. And then spring flag in our community is in April and May. We do a youth camp in June, K through sixth graders. And then we do a skill specific camp in July, which is third through eighth graders. And then our K2, which is run by our Parks and Rec in Avon, I do a kickoff camp for them every year in August. So we, we are engaging our kids March, April, May, June, July, August, K through six in Avon. And I don't know that many other places do that, but if you want to keep your numbers up and you want people to buy in, it's crucial you have a vision that you believe in, and then you market the heck out of that to your kids. And we've been able to do that. Mike, when I look at all the effort that goes into starting a youth football program and, and keeping it organized and staying on top of it, I know the high school coach has a lot on his plate and I think what I really like about the football development model and all the the things that have gone into it, the resources that are available for coaches, uh, even the, the coaching app that's available for them on their phone, is that for the high school coach, this really starts to do the heavy lift of what are all the drills we need to work on? What are the skills? What is, you know, how do we plan practice? So there's a practice planner available for you as an app. The The certifications to make sure that your coaches know everything they need to, to make sure that not only are they up on their safety elements of this, but they're also understanding what we need to do to to train the whole person, to develop physical literacy, etc. I think that's what's most exciting about it because, I mean, you think back to that, that first day where you got involved and started this program, and I did the same when I was at Amherst and started the youth program there. Man, there is a lot that goes into it, and this doesn't mean that you should start it or get things going and walk away, but I think what the football development model does that USA Football has put together is gives you all the resources you need to to know that your coaches are armed with the latest and the best knowledge. That's a tremendous resource to everybody, and you're right, Keith. When we did this 13 years ago, that didn't exist. And I'm blessed and in a unique situation in Avon that I have a tremendous high school coaching staff that, you know, they handle most of the X's and O's now of my program. And I'm, I'm the true head coach of our community, K through 12. And I have time to invest in putting on clinics and doing things for our youth football people because of the tremendous staff I have. And not every high school head coach has that luxury. When I first became a high school head coach, I certainly had my hand in everything. You know, I was game planning offense, defense, special teams, trying to organize a middle school program and build a youth program. And um, it was crazy. So this is amazing what USA football is doing because it's going to help a lot of head coaches just point people in the right direction and then just hold them accountable to use the resources that are there for them. Well, Mike, I appreciate you taking time and, and sharing this experience and sharing what you've done in Avon. I certainly think your community is an example for others to follow and appreciate what you're doing to give back to the game. Thanks a lot, Keith. I love this game and with the help of USA Football and people who have a good vision and plan, the game will be around for a long time. Thank you for your interest and support in the football development model. We cannot create a stronger sport without you. 
Head to fdm.usafootball.com to get involved. We'll see you next time on the Football for All podcast.